together we pray. Come Holy Spirit, we surrender to You and give You permission to do whatever it is You desire. We ask that our minds and hearts and souls would be fertile soil, that Your Word may bear rich fruit in our life. Illuminate these Scriptures for us, Lord. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, Lord, for Your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with Thee. Blessed art Thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of Thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So what is the Lord talking about in today's Gospel, right? we got some like cosmic stuff happening, stars are falling from the sky and all these things, and and he's like, hey, this is going to happen in one generation. And then he's like, no, you, you don't know when it's going to happen, right? It can be a little confusing of what Jesus is speaking about in today's gospel. The church gives us these readings. We'll kind of go through here like, all right, what is the Lord exactly talking about? How do we apply that to our life? But a little bit of context of why we're reading this today. Next Sunday is the feast, the solemnity of Christ the King which is not only our, the feast of our patron of this church, but it's the end of the liturgical year. So the church year begins in Advent, goes all the way through, right, and ends at the end of ordinary time with this feast of Christ the King. So in the, the two weeks close to the end, the church is reminding us, like, the beginning of Advent, what do we do? We, like, long for His coming the first time. At Christmas, we celebrate His first coming and then we live the life of Jesus. We go into the desert with him at Lent. We go through the Passion with him during Holy Week. We have this 50 days of the Easter celebration. And then we're living like ordinary time again with Jesus until we come again to these last few weeks. So these last few weeks, we are looking forward to his second coming. His coming when he will come as we profess in the creed at the end of the world to judge the living and the dead. And so that's what these readings are kind of pointing us toward is that reality. Now, when Jesus is speaking here today, he's answering a question. If you read the whole chapter, Mark 13, he's answering basically two questions that his disciples asked. Jesus had predicted that the temple would be destroyed. Right? And everybody's like, you crazy? I mean, really? The temple? I mean, this, and the temple had been destroyed before, but I mean, it's a big deal because the temple was the center of Jewish life, spiritually, politically, all that. Like their identity was in their relationship with God, and the temple was at the heart of that. So he's telling them the temple was going to be destroyed. And they're asking him this question, when, right? When, when you do that, like somebody says, hey, this bad thing's going to happen. Well, do you know when, right? Tell me when so I can be ready. But they also ask him a second question. And that second question is then, like, when's the end of the world? Because for them, the temple was built as a microcosm of the cosmos. It was, it was built as this place where heaven and earth meet and heaven and earth are together and God is communing with us. So part of the temple was decorated like it was heaven with the constellations and those things kind of pointing upward. And the other part of it was decorated as if it was the earth, and particularly the Garden of Eden, this beautiful place where we're with the Lord. And so when the temple would be destroyed, it could be like symbolic 
of the destruction in a certain sense or the end of the cosmos for them. They're like, okay, big deal, bro. When is that going to happen? So Jesus is actually addressing today's gospel. He's addressing both of those. He's like, okay, what's going to happen? The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give it light. The stars will fall from the sky. He's not talking about that happening literally. Like, okay, all these things in a certain sense. In the temple, there was a curtain, right, a veil that had the stars on it. And these things, like, as the temple would be destroyed, this would happen. But he's also hearkening back to the Old Testament that the prophets, when they would prophesy the fall of a particular city or a particular uh, nation, particularly if, if it was like in the sense that the Lord was coming in, in judgment, then they would say this. They would like in Jeremiah 13 and Jeremiah 3 and Isaiah 1, like, hey, Babylon, like the moon's going to go down, like the sun's going to fall, like, and symbolically speaking that Babylon would fall, and then there would be this cosmic event in a sense. You could go back for us, like the Revolutionary War, right? What do we say? The shot heard around the world. Like, really? I mean, did they really hear it in Europe? You know? I think they did not physically hear the shot, right? But, but you understand that they're speaking in metaphor here what's going on. So Jesus is kind of setting this up, but then he, and then he says, this will happen, the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple within one generation. And actually it did happen within one generation. A biblical generation is 40 years. And in the year 70 AD after Christ, Jerusalem was sacked and destroyed by the Romans and the temple was destroyed in great suffering. So in a sense, the stars and the the temple fell from the sky, and it was a cosmic shift for the people, the Jewish people. But then Jesus, again, is like this connection, right, to the fall of Jerusalem and to the end of the world. He says, but that time, like when that's going to happen, nobody knows. Nobody knows except the Father. And so he's saying, be ready at any moment. And that's the thing for us. Be ready at any moment for the Lord to come back and for us to meet him face to face. Because we don't know, right? We don't know the day or the hour. Like literally, he could be on his way here right now. <laughs> come on, Lord. Right? Or, or we, our lives could end. And when our lives end, we're going to meet him face to face no matter when that is. Whether that's in five minutes, 50 years, we don't know. When we do meet him face to face and it's clear, right, then, then our life is going to be laid out before him. And we're going to meet the Lord who is a judge, merciful judge, but, but judge. And so we shouldn't have this sense of like, oh, this fear that is gripping and paralyzing. Like there's a healthy fear of like the reality, like, okay, like heaven's real, hell's real, right? Gave that homily a few weeks ago. But. <laughs> with confidence in Jesus of who he is, but also with an understanding that, like, I've been given free will and this ability to love, and I'm responsible for my action. And the Lord calls me to that. I'm, I'm responsible for this gift that I have been given to act in God's image. Again, not a fear that is gripping, because who is, who is our Lord? The God who has died for us. 
So at any moment we realize, like, Lord, I've not done so well, then I just need to come before him in humble recognition of my sin and receive his mercy. And he never tires of forgiving us. Never. Never tire of forgiving us. And then, and then when we meet him, right, if we read Matthew 25, he's going to ask us, basically, you could sum it up in this, like the judgment with this, we'll be, we'll be judged by the Lord on how we love, how we love God and how we loved our neighbor, and particularly those most in need, right? You, mean, you read Matthew 25, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was naked, when I was ill, when I was in prison, like, what would you do? Did you love me or not? So as we're preparing for the end of the church year, as we go through this cycle every year, the church is reminding us like we need in our daily lives to be aware that we are not God and our life on this earth will come to an end. And then we'll see the Lord face to face. So we need to live every day pointed in that direction reliant upon God's mercy, running to him, running to him when we commit a sin, particularly a serious sin. Lord, come and have mercy upon me. And then seeking to live and to orient our lives in love of God and love of our neighbor in a real tangible way. If you remember that homily from a few weeks back, if you didn't, you can go online and check it out. We said, right, we were coming up. It was a couple of weeks before the Bama game and everybody was excited. And we said, you know what, what if they lose, right? What if LSU loses in every single sport, every single game, every single match for the rest of your life? And you go to heaven. Who cares about the game? Right? Like that's, that's what ultimately matters. And, and the key thing is, is that God wants us to go there. Like literally, he died for us, for the gates of heaven to be open. And so when we ask this question, like, mentioned it before, right? Well, why does hell even exist? Be- because we have free will and we can say no to love and we can say no to mercy. The church, when it defines hell, it's this. It's the definitive self-exclusion from communion with God. But it means I say no to the Lord's mercy. I say no to admitting that I'm a sinner in need of his mercy. God, I don't need you. I don't need you to forgive me because I really haven't sinned and it's no big deal or I'm God, you know, so we're good. And then so the Lord says, okay, you get, you get what you want. That's again, we need to live our lives oriented to saying yes to his mercy and then giving it away. Saying yes to his mercy and then giving it away. Jesus is clear, like, this is going to happen, and we don't know when it's going to happen. But let's live every single day of our life as if we're going to meet him today. Every single day as if we're going to meet him today. And so when we do meet him, he can say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant, as he says in the scriptures. Come, inherit the place that I've prepared for you from all eternity. Because he tells us he goes before us to prepare a place for us in the Father's house. That's pretty cool. He goes before us to prepare that place. Let us live every moment of every single day. And when we stumble and fall, we run to him. But every single moment of every day, ready to meet him. Eager and awaiting his coming. So that we will know the fullness of that life here 
but ultimately forever in heaven.